You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Kent Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. It is a mailbag edition. It is the greatest mailbag edition in the history of mailbag editions. I am irrationally excited. I am I am I'm un, unintentionally arrowhead chopping right now. And Maddie, he, he is flailing wildly <laughs> right now. You guys, this is amazing. I'm, He's so excited. I'm so excited. This is going to be one of the most enjoyable episodes I think we've ever done here to help me enjoy and bask in the Fitz magic is my friend first find him on Twitter at chief in Carolina Matthew Lane how are you my friend I have so much to get off my chest but nothing I have to start more with than the fact that you Ken Swanson doubted Ryan Fitzpatrick on this very <laughs> podcast you slandered the man the myth the legend that is Ryan Fitzmagic and said he could not do it I, he, he said he said zero percent chance I did zero you're right I did I I'm an idiot I'm so dumb <laughs> I I have slandered Ryan Fitzpatrick my entire life I have had fist-to-cuff arguments with people about the value of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Granted, those people were trying to say he was like a top-20 quarterback. He's still not. He's number two now. Goes Patrick Mahomes, Ryan Fitzpatrick. And Fitzpatrick just slid right in there and stole the Patriots bye. It's Mr. Studio bye. I'm going to sing a lot. All right. The other reason that I am happy is because I now have roughly 13 straight days where I get to just focus on the NFL draft and watch only draft prospects. So this is like this is like Christmas come a week later for me, and it's perfectly riding into the new year. We're joined also by our buddy Craig Stout. You've heard him jump in a few times now. He can't contain his excitement either. How are you doing today, bud? Man, I'm doing fantastic. I don't know if you guys know you know, kind of see, we do this on video chat for those of you who don't know, but, um, you might see, I've got a little bit more of a glow, maybe a little bit of a redness because I've been basking in the Fitz magic <laughs> for the past 24 hours. Oh, this oh, is Fitz amazing. Oh, he, I, I have never been more elated than the end of that chiefs game. That, that was phenomenal. That was fantastic. And it couldn't have happened to a worse franchise. I'm just, oh my goodness. It was amazing. I'm ready to talk about it. Let's get into it. I like I I cannot contain. I was a little pitchy there on the Fitz song. I'm sorry, everybody. Uh, my career is not in music. Uh, there's so much we got to cover today. Uh, we've got some AP Nerd Squad at Gmail uh, questions that we're going to answer later because we just kind of want to get into the, the flow of the Fitz magic, but we'll answer questions from Abby and Tavi. Uh, we'll answer those questions later. A little bit of housekeeping. Uh, if you guys are going to be in the area, in the KC area, on Saturday, 
Uh, Saturday at 1 p.m., Matt Miller, find him on Twitter at NFL Draft Scout on Twitter. Uh, he's the host of the Stick to Football podcast. He's the lead draft writer for Bleacher Report. He's having a get-together for Chiefs fans, mostly, uh, at 1 p.m. at the at Char Bar on Saturday. So you can watch a little bit of the playoff football that the Chiefs won't be playing in. They won't be playing in it. Uh, you can watch. You can you can come hang out, watch a little football. Uh, I'll be there. I don't know if anybody else will be there. We'll, I, from Arrowhead Pride, still working those details out. But come hang out. Uh, also, if you want to leave a five-star review, we're going to answer the five-star review questions maybe later this week or, or maybe next week. This is just a little bit different. This is a little bit different of a week because of of what has transpired <laughs> in the last you know two days. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and just jump into the Twitter questions. Ethan Conkey asks, which got a bigger reaction out of you, the Dolphins win or the Chiefs win? It was the Dolphins win. I was watching from my phone. I was watching on ESPN for the majority of the day. There was like moments where it was like a 58% chance that the, the Patriots were going to win. And then it got up to like 57 that the Dolphins were win. Then Tom Brady miraculously on a thir- third and 13 threw a screen pass like a total coward because they're afraid and they can't do anything offensively to save their lives. They had to throw a third and goal th- uh, from the 13 yard. They had to throw a screen pass. It worked. It turned into like an 80% chance of the Patriots winning. But no, Ryan Fitzmagic went in and and drove down the field. Someone put it to the Titanic music, and I it, I've watched it on repeat for the last twelve hours. This is a reverse Cam Irving rant right now. <laughs> so, anyways, yeah, can, that thing about a the, positive rant, that thing about, an excited rant. That thing about the Chiefs game has done this to me. This is all Fitzmagic. <laughs> Kevin Harlan, actually, Kevin Harlan's call did that to me. Like <laughs> that, that might have been amazing call. Maddie, amazing call. Maddie is like laughing hysterically at me right now. I'm sorry. I can't contain my joy. You can't. You can't take me down today. I wish we still did live shows so that everybody could see that Kent is burning more calories during this podcast by waving his arms frantically than he probably did all of 2019 because he has not stopped bouncing off the walls. I, I, at, the, at the buzzer of 2019, got out, got my biggest workout of the season in, and it's sitting in a chair podcasting with my friends. But yeah, I mean, I'm with Kent. I think the Chiefs beating the Chargers was kind of expected. It was nice to see. But without the Dolphins beating the Patriots, it essentially came for nothing. The Texans weren't playing their starters. The Texans had kind of given in, thought that they were just going to play for that fourth seed anyway. So the Chiefs winning didn't do a whole lot for me. But it's nice to see your team win. But I think had the Patriots won, I would have been a lot more focused on the Juan Thornhill injury rather than getting the two seed. So it was definitely Brian Fitzpatrick helping the Chiefs get that two seed that got me the buzz going. Sweep it. I, <laughs> I did, it was a sigh of relief when the Chiefs scored, when Damian Williams, who had himself a fantastic day. Uh, that's the best we've seen Damian Williams look all year long. But uh, he he pulled that off, got into the end zone, took a sigh of relief. Then Miami scored, 
And I ran around my downstairs with my fists in the air <laughs> because the Chiefs are getting a bye. I was so ecstatic. So, yeah, it, it was the Dolphins win. I was sitting, I was in Wichita. That's why I was with, you know, I, I podcasted with Craig last week. I was in Wichita. I was with my wife's family. Uh, it was a little bit of a different locale than I'm used to watching a game in because, I mean, it's not my basement. It's not my TV. You know, a lot of people, a lot of kids running around. I wasn't exactly in my element. Did not matter. I was <laughs> I, I was giddy. I embarrassed myself a little bit in front of my family. Don't care at all. It was, it was pure elation. I, I so many things like I, I watched. You know, I, I've I've listened back. I listened to the Arrowhead Pride post game show. Listen to that if you haven't. It is phenomenal. Ecstatic callers, just, un, just fun, yes, unbridled joy. That's how I feel. This is my chance <laughs> to live with them. Kevin Harlan's call, man. It gave me chills. Amazing. Like he like he, he started explaining the Ryan Fitzpatrick touchdown and then like at the perfect time Arrowhead just loses it and he kind of just leads into the whole thing. It was it was beautiful. I am so glad that Kevin Harlan was on the call for this game. It made it perfect. I'm going to make that my ringtone and anytime someone calls me, I'm not going to pick up. I'm just going to let it go. <laughs> So I can hear more it's of that literally, call. Kid's gonna be sitting there, and somebody's gonna hear Kevin Harlan scream, "I'm calling both games." <laughs> <laughs> that's my. That's gonna be my text. I'm calling yep. both games. Gosh, he's so good at his job. He is so good at his job. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. It, it, this is going off the rails very quickly. Uh, Peterson Chiefs ask is ryan fitzpatrick the greatest journeyman player in sports history, and should they give him a ring when they win it all? Yes. He is not only the greatest journeyman player, and not only they should give him a ring, I looked into changing my son's name to Ryan. The, the process is very difficult. Still thought really hard about it. Just change his middle name to Fitzmagic. You definitely should have been changing to Fitzmagic, not Ryan. That's significantly better. And that way everybody would know is every time they met him, oh, you're named after the greatest journeyman athlete of all time. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Pretty much. And uh, let you in on a little something here, guys. They are fairly liberal with those rings. Like I've heard stories about NFL franchises. They like to hand those out. Like everybody in the building gets them. People associated with the building gets one. I believe we even talked about this a little bit last year when the Chiefs were knocking on the door a little bit. That yeah, Alex Smith probably would have gotten a ring. You know, with that team because of the work that he'd done with Patrick Mahomes and everything like that. I I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Andy Reid procures another ring and ships it down to Miami to Ryan Fitzpatrick. I, By all means. I, why not? Why not? I, I, would, I, would, I would love to find, like, I, I hope the petition to get Fitzpatrick to bang the drum happens. To bang the drum. And I hope yes. the Patriots are the team that they're playing. Oh, how delicious would that be? If it's the Patriots, they have to let him bang the drum, right? Have to. Have to. Okay. Uh, Now we got to talk about real football things. I don't want to. I just want to, like, continue this good vibe. (laughs) This is so much fun. It really is. It's it's just unbridled joy here on this show, too. But Jayhawk Josh asks, how in the world (laughs) can Spags adjust to losing Juan Thornhill? 
Seems he's incredibly key to their success in the dime and being able to cover not only running back routes, but help cover for the corners. Weaknesses downfield, some mix of Lucas and Watts, and just pray to God they hold up. Craig? Yeah, for those of you who don't know, uh, Juan Thornhill was officially ruled out for the rest of the season with an ACL tear today. Uh, That sucks. It sucks a lot. Juan Thornhill has grown by leaps and bounds, and he started the season at a high level. He's just understanding his ability to eliminate things on the back end and also eliminate things in front of him, collapse on it. A lot of those third and longs, Juan Thornhill's on the field. Those aren't converted. Uh, The Chiefs sorely missed him out there. He was the only player that Steve Spagnuolo trusted to play single high. Not Tyron Matthew, not Dan Sorensen, not Armani Watts, not even really Kendall Fuller. But, you know, Thornhill was the only guy that he trusted to play single high when they did go to those coverages. I I think that that kind of takes some of that off the table. Uh, They're going to have to play Kendall Fuller a lot as a safety. And frankly, uh, two weeks ago, as Matty covered in his article, he looked good doing that. Last week, not so much. Uh, I don't expect to see Jordan Lucas. We would have seen him this past weekend if there was trying to be a like-for-like situation. I think it's going to be Armani Watts. I we've got some questions coming up about him, but I, I do think that it will be Watts and then fuller deep. Steve Spagnuolo has got his work cut out for him because Juan Thornhill was such a big thing or a big part of what they do. Yeah. I think I put it on Twitter that I think you can make a pretty easy case that Juan Thornhill was the fourth most important defensive player for this chiefs team, despite being a rookie. No like, I don't even think it's that hard of an argument to make. Like it's pretty clear that He's right after Tyron Matthew, Frank Clark, and Chris Jones in terms of importance. And so when you lose them, you saw the Chiefs, the effect it had immediately. You got a lot more two high looks. You had to give help to both sides of the field to protect the corners over the top. You started giving up a couple of those underneath, middle of the field, third, late third down catches, little things like that. And I'm sure the way Steve Spagnuolo has been calling up games lately, he's going to have a way to help fix it. But at the end of the day, you don't replace Juan Thornhill's ball skills, his athleticism, and just the way he reads the field in terms of playing as a deep single high safety. You're going to have to play a single deep safety when you play the Ravens. You're probably going to against the Patriots. You're going to need the extra defenders near the line of scrimmage to help with the run. You can't put two safeties deep and cover you know two halves of the field. So this is going to affect them deep into the playoffs. It's something to monitor going forward. And like Craig said, I don't think you're going to see much Lucas. It's going to be Watts and Fuller, I think, the most. And we'll get more into Watts and Fuller, I assume, as we go through these questions here. Yeah, I think teams respected Juan Juan Thornhill, too, back there. I think that's Mm -hmm. one thing that you're going to realize that pretty quickly. Uh, You saw Frank Clark call uh, Juan Thornhill young five. That was a call. That's that's huge praise. That's big praise. (laughs) Young five, they... uh, Honey Badger has some. Was it what? Something five. T five. T five. T five. His nickname uh, in the building. So I mean, I think you. Know, I think people realize how good he was. The thing that sucks is they were moving him around a little bit yesterday. They're playing him in a little different different role. I mean, they were kind of moving him around a little bit more too. You saw him. I mean, he, he tore his ACL blitzing. And I think that they were kind of starting to, you know, he was kind of starting to come into his own. I think Spags might have had some plans for him this home stretch, potentially, too. 
to move him around a little bit more. So that's they've been doing that a lot lately. Like he's played a lot of main cover drops yep. out of the slot. He's dropped down to lower mm-hmm. closer zones. Like they've slid Fuller back. They've put Tyron back a couple times. Like they've moved Thornhill around a lot more as the season. They were on. looking to have two Badgers, <sighs> and now they only have one. Uh, Kent, Kent, I'm too sad for that. Yeah, Don't do know, that. Hey, <laughs> win one for Thornhill. Win one for Thornhill. We got to just, you know, we got to pour one out. I need more bourbon if we're going to keep doing this. Yeah, sorry, buddy. Uh, Maker Village KC asks just blanketly, how did Armani Watts play, Maddie? Armani Watts played like a second-year, fourth-round draft pick that didn't play many snaps throughout the year and then was thrust onto the field when he had to be at the last second. He, especially when he first came out there, he did not look like he was ready for it. You saw him play timid, trying to wait for balls to fall into his lap, giving up a couple plays. He actually got in the way more than once on some run plays. He came in and just kind of stood still in the hole, and he blocked off his own teammates scraping to the outside on some run plays. Now, he did come back. He made a great stop on a short running down on third or fourth down where he slipped underneath the block, came in and made the tackle right there before the line of scrimmage. So he came around. He made some nice plays. But overall, he just he's not a guy that shows a ton of range. He doesn't show that kind of football IQ that Juan Thornhill had. He doesn't have that elite athleticism. And he's a smaller guy. It's just hard to really slot him into a position for this Chiefs defense. I think you'll see him out there because he does have good ball skills. He's been in the system, and you hope with these couple weeks off working in with Kendall Fuller as well at that safety spot, he starts to look better. But he really is not playing near as aggressive on a snap-to-snap basis as the rest of the Chiefs defense was, and I think it really puts some guys out of position more than once. Yeah, we talked a lot about Armani Watts this offseason and about his role in this defense. With Steve Spagnuolo using two high looks, Armani Watts makes some sense. You, you're not asking him to have to cover as much ground. If you're asking him to be in the box, you need more aggression out of him. And I think that that's what Steve Spagnuolo is going to ask him to do in the dime a little bit just as kind of a, a kind of to throw some things off a little bit frankly he did play deep in those half zones he just needs reps he really does need reps it's it's kind of a great thing that the Chiefs got to buy because the way that the practice rules works uh, Armani Watts isn't getting first team reps Armani Watts isn't getting to cycle in with the starters very often get these looks and kind of get on field stuff even in practice so the fact that they got two weeks now to get him up to speed I think we'll see something closer to the end of the game Armani Watts which like Matt said was much better than he was after coming in there for Thornhill but they've really still got to protect him a little bit just because he's not the same sort of dynamic aggressive player that Juan Thornhill was and they're going to need that out there because it was kind of the way that this defense was able to move the ball or you know stop the ball and keep things rolling. Devin Travis 29 asks can Tyron Matthew elevate Armani Watts to a high enough level to insulate the loss of Juan Thornhill love the show I've never missed an episode thank you Devin thank you Devin I if there's anybody right now in the league that can do that it's Tyron Matthew I we've seen what he's done right for this secondary I yeah he, we we that's Ryan Fitzpatrick <laughs> he 
he has transformed this secondary. He's gotten the most out of a group of guys that frankly don't have the same level of talent as some of the other quote unquote elite secondaries in the league. I, I They just don't. And they're playing as a unit significantly better than a lot of these teams with a lot more talent. Tyron Matthew and Steve Spagnolo, as well as Sam Madison, Dave Merritt, those guys have done a fantastic job. Got a big task ahead of him, but you're in good hands at the very least. It's not going to be for a lack of coaching, lack of preparation, and a lack of you know of support system around Armani Watts to get him to play to the best Armani Watts that he can be. It certainly helps to get a play with somebody that's a leader like Tyron Matthew is a guy that can help control you on the field. He can tell you what to do, give you tips and things you're looking out for. So he's helping on the field. He's helping on the sideline. He's everything that a young safety needs to play next to. I think you saw that with Juan Thornhill as he got better throughout the year. Those two were pretty close. It really helped Thornhill drive up his ability to play and happen quickly. So from that aspect, I think it definitely helps. My concern is simply that Armani Watts is not the same type of player as Juan Thornhill, and I don't know if Tyron Matthews' game and Armani Watts' game, the way they each played, mesh as well together as Thornhill's and Matthews did. You kind of have two guys that excel a little bit in the same role now with Matthew and Watts. They're better closer to the line of scrimmage, trying to make plays on the ball, and while Watts is not anywhere near the athlete on the field that Tyron Matthew plays up to, that's kind of still his best role is more in the Tyron Matthew position not playing as a deep safety. I don't think Tyron Matthew flying around underneath and moving all around helps Watts as much as it helped Thornhill, where Thornhill was really just able to stay deep and do what he does best. Right. I, I kind of tend to fall in line with where Matty went with that. And it's going to be hard for the Chiefs to try not to get worse at two positions. You know, I think that's one of the things you've got you've to really figure out. You don't want to take away anything of what Tyron Matthew is doing. And you've got to try to make him the guy that you're you know that you've seen to this point and you've got to be able to have that freedom and flexibility to move him around the same way that they have armani Watts is just not as good of a player which is why he hasn't seen the field which is why he was only playing out of necessity they've got their work cut out for him and they got to figure it out uh (laughs) and they've got to figure it out during the playoffs all right we're gonna take a break we'll be back right after this support for this show comes from sylvan learning as a parent You want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. 
And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, continuing to take your questions here on the AP Laboratory Mailbag, Chief Anglin95 asks, why are running backs underneath such a big problem for the Chiefs defense, Craig? It, it really comes down to the linebackers. Steve Spagnuolo has tried to play more safeties to try and eliminate some of the guys that give the Chiefs linebackers problems. Even when Ben Neiman's on the field, you still don't have the sort of range and coverage ability. You know, even he's your coverage linebacker. You still don't have the sort of coverage ability to take away running backs, especially one as dynamic as Austin Eckler in the passing game there. Now, I know what people are thinking, you know, you have a guy that's a hook defender, kind of in the middle of the field. You can rotate a safety down and try and take him away. Steve Spagnuolo has preferred to use guys like Tyron Matthew as the hook defender. Guys like Kendall Fuller rotate into the middle of the field, trying to capture that kind of high hole role with a more dynamic coverage defender. And we've seen it work. We've seen a lot of interceptions, pass breakups. Quarterbacks having to hold on to the ball longer because they don't get the routes open throughout the middle of the field. And that kind of leaves those guys open. I think Spagnolo is kind of choosing to have a, a, the potential to take away uh, some of these deeper passes and get some more turnovers and things like that, rather than trying to man up Tyron Matthew, man up Dan Sorensen all game long against a running back in the backfield and having a linebacker in the center of the field playing those hook zones. He, he'd just rather have the linebacker on the running back and collapse down because it, typically it's an underneath pass. It's not going to be as explosive of a play. Anthony Hitchens. Reggie Raglan, Damian Wilson, Ben Neiman, Daniel Sorensen. That's why the running backs underneath <laughs> are such a big problem because none of them are particularly good in coverage. None of them are good at covering running backs. Craig's he's right. We have to put these guys have to be covering out to the flats when the Chiefs do play man coverage, which has been more often lately, unless the Chiefs are specifically aligning a Tyron Matthew or Kendall Full or Juan Thornhill on a running back, it's most likely one of those guys that's taking the running back and man coverage, and that's just a winning matchup for the offense. Tyron Matthew does a great job being everywhere on the field. Any given snap, he's likely to be closer to the ball than he is away from it, but he's still only one guy. You have to have other players that can be competent in coverage versus running backs versus these quicker guys coming out of the backfield, and the Chiefs simply don't have that. And I think the biggest thing that just grinds the gears of fans, or at least me when I'm watching, is simply, it's not even hard stuff sometimes. It's sometimes simply just running to the flat and not being so incredibly far behind that you can't even take a good angle. Like our linebackers are so far behind on these plays, they can't even take a good angle and give up a five yard gain. They have to give up a 10, 15 yard gain just to run straight to the flat because they're so late getting out there. It's a problem that is going to have to be addressed at some point in time. I just don't know if there's a fix this year, especially now that the safety room got a little bit thinner losing Juan Thornhill. Bama fan seven. A few times a game we will see Eric Fisher get bull rushed back into the pocket. Is that due more to poor technique, getting too tall on the snap, or is it a lack of strength, or both? 
It's a little bit of both. This has been something that Eric Fisher's always struggled with in the NFL. When he first came in the league, it was incredibly bad. He could not stop anybody's bull rush. As he settled in and become a quality left tackle, above average left tackle, he's gotten better, but very strong rushers have always given him problems. If you can threaten a speed move and make him move, he opens up his chest. Rushers can run through it plenty often. Yeah, he plays a little tall, but the biggest thing is he just doesn't have a great anchor. You look at Eric Fisher's body compared to some other offensive linemen, he's pretty well distributed. He's not a big guy with a huge lower half. He can't just sit back and take on an aggressive power rush without the perfect hand technique. And he doesn't always have perfect hand technique. It's good. It's just not great. It's just a weakness he has is against power moves. He does better against speed rushers than he does power rushers. He always has just the thing that you're going to have to deal with when you have a more athletic rather than balling offensive tackle. Yep. Uh, Maddie nailed it there. We, we've all seen it. We, we've seen the power rushers get him. We've seen guys that, that can, you know, kind of put a little more power into his chest. Uh, it, it really kind of ruins him a little bit. That's why Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, guys like that have been such a poor matchup. Matthew Judon for the Ravens will give him fits. It's a guy, you know, going forward to take a look at a little bit. But, you know, there's a couple guys there in the playoffs, but that's the one that jumps out to me the most. So we'll be paying attention to that as the playoffs go along. Yeah, it's just, I mean, they got these guys nailed it. He's I think he's had a track record of struggling with guys that can play with power. And that's that's basically what it is. Action Bosworth, am I crazy to think that Andy has been holding back plays, packages, concepts, etc.? on offense all season and that the offense in the playoffs is finally going to show some of the pat plays we all heard about in training camp. I think you have seen the pat plays in training camp. If you look at a lot of what the Chiefs are doing, they're running deep vertical concepts that they destroyed the league with last year. They run a lot of over routes with a player just essentially running a very deep cross, almost at an angle across the field. Defenses know it. They've studied the Chiefs film from last year. There is so often a guy from the middle of the field or an opposite field linebacker safety dropping into that deep over area. Teams have seen what the Chiefs like to do. I think they have played into the Chiefs tendency so far. So I don't think the Chiefs have necessarily hit anything. I will say, I think down the stretch, these last quarter of the season, the Chiefs figured out how to attack teams that were doing this to them. I think you saw stretches in each one of these last four games now where the Chiefs look like they were figuring it out. So I can buy that they didn't want to show everything they had to combat teams going after you know their type of offense, but I don't think they were planning on holding any of this stuff back. I think you saw the pat plays. I just think defense is caught up a little bit. And when I say caught up a little bit, keep in mind the Chiefs are still a top three offense in the NFL. The other offense studied all offseason was the Rams. They didn't fare near as good. So we have to also take that caveat with it. The Chiefs still had a very good offense despite teams studying them for months. Yeah, very, very good offense. I know we talk a lot about the offense and its struggles because we it, we all got used to the riches that we had in a hurry. Like so uh, we, we went through QB purgatory for decades and then we had one season of Patrick Mahomes. And now when they're just very good, it, it it's it's a problem because 
We know they can be better. I do think that, like Matt said, we've seen the Pat plays. We've seen some of them. It's just not being executed at a high enough level, whether that be on the receivers, whether it be on Mahomes' trust, whether it be through you know offensive line play, whatever the case may be. I do think that it's there. It's just not being hit on right now. So I think if you're going to see some more of those Pat plays, even I'm sure Andy's got some stuff saved back, but if you're going to see those you know, kind of revert to what we saw in 2018, it's going to have to come through an execution advantage. Um, I'm, these guys nailed most of it. A couple things. I think the Chiefs have been forced to lay it up a little bit more than they want. I think Pat has been forced to take what defenses are giving him a little more than he wants to, but I think he's been content with it. I don't think, I do think the Chiefs have held some stuff back. I don't think what you saw this week particularly was was an A-plus call sheet. I'm not sure last week against the Bears was necessarily an A-plus call sheet. Um, so I, I think they probably have some stuff that they're going to throw in there. I think they're going to get Tyreek moving around a little bit more uh, than, than he has. I think you're going to see him moving around. Because I think a lot of the – when you watch the Chiefs getting into a rhythm, when you see the Chiefs moving around, it's with Tyreek kind of being used in a variety of different roles and trying to to get teams thinking about certain things and running them on the orbits and forcing teams to, you know, spin a guy down in the box or follow him and rotate their safeties down and with him and all that kind of stuff. I think we see a little bit more of that because I do think that, that those kind of things do put stress on just about any coverage that you – you know that you can throw at team at, at these teams, so um, that's one thing to to, to consider. But <clears throat> Nate Ch four seventy nine says, "We all know you guys are on the same page for a lot of your takes, <laughs> but I'm sure you don't agree on everything. Name one take each you all disagree on and will never agree on. Must be Chiefs related." I don't know if there's like a take that all three of us have different takes on. I think there's some that like I'm in one corner on my own. Maddie's in one corner on his own. Mine is like I don't value the linebacker position the same way these guys do. Um, I'm not Wrong. as on board with a first round running back as, or linebacker as these guys are. This is what happens when you only watch yeah, the offense. This is my time. I... I think Anthony Hitchens will be the Mike backer for this football team next year. I don't think that – I think you're going to have to draft a will. Like if you want to try to take a T- Akeem Davis Gaither in the second round or try to f- maybe make an investment in free agency, that's fine. I don't think it's happening in the first round. I don't know if I love it happening in the first round. So there's mine. Now Maddie's going to dunk on it before he gets his off. Especially since Dylan Moses isn't in the draft anymore. Do we have to talk about that today? This is Fitzmagic mm. Day. Okay. Maddie. Dylan Moses decided to go back to Alabama, so the leading linebacker candidate for Chiefs hopefuls is no longer in the NFL draft. So we do agree a lot, and we, I kind of talked about this recently off podcast. Like we talk to each other a lot, so we end up agreeing a lot. There's not a ton of stuff I think that we disagree with, especially Craig and I. Craig and I are in lockstep on most <laughs> things football related, and like the one thing football related, I don't think it's super Chiefs related that we disagree on is. He has a soft spot for very physical, thumping <laughs> linebackers that I don't have as much. Like your I do. Raekwon McMillan's I do. 
he was a big fan of and I just did not see it. Like just guys like that he has a soft spot for. But as far as with Kent and just everybody, I'm a little quicker to I don't believe in all the excuses that the offense got this year, the way same way that Kent buys into yeah. a little bit. Like he doesn't excuse it, but Kent can see a path for why, okay, maybe the offense hasn't been bad. It's just been bad circumstances. I don't buy into that. I think that the Chiefs very much could have worked around all of this stuff and should have. I think they just didn't play their best on offense or coach their best on offense. Like we're kind of not on opposite ends, but we're pretty far apart in terms of where kind of the unluck versus just poor play. I think how, I think how far it. of the angst, how much angst we have towards certain things either. Like I, I think that's probably a good way of putting it. Anyways, Craig, I mean, I'm very interested yeah. on Craig's. <laughs> I, I just, it, it's funny because when you talk as much football as we do all day, and then when we record this thing and everything like that, you just end up hearing each other's you know sides of the thing. It, it doesn't really come to the point where we disagree with too terribly much except on Josh Malga. <laughs> I will defend Josh Malga to the Josh Malga helped Derek Johnson have a longer career, a, a more successful at the end. It, it's so funny because I saw this question from Nate. I saw it on Twitter earlier today, and that was the first thing that popped into my mind. So it's hilarious that Matt goes with thumper linebackers because, yes, I do. Josh Malga helped DJ be a better player at the end of his career when he's starting to lose some of his athleticism. So I and I love DJ. So <laughs> that was that I love Josh Malga because DJ appreciated him, talked about how he set the fronts and helped him be a better linebacker. So, and here comes Maddie's counter. Here, here we go. No, no, this isn't a counter because I that perfectly fits. We, there's there's our difference. I have another one with Kent's. I love that Kent hates linebackers and thinks they're useless pieces of trash, but he stands that we needed to play Mike Pinnell to stop the run. He is going to stand <laughs> on a table to put a run-stuffing nose tackle on the field but he doesn't think it's worth getting a better linebacker. No, you're misplacing what my stance is. All of ours are linebacker related. I just think that you can find improvements at the linebacker position outside of the first round of the draft because you can. Congratulations, Nate. You broke up the podcast <laughs> and it's all because of linebackers. And I, think Josh I think it's hilarious that all of us have linebacker takes. And the funny thing is if Jake was on this show right now for our draft uh -huh. content. It would be oh, him. it would be we would be fighting about Isaiah Simmons. We'd be fighting about yes. Isaiah Simmons because Jake loves Isaiah Simmons. We're not as in love with Isaiah Simmons. All three of us. He's a great safety. He's a great safety. His best play in the semis was as a safety. Was as a safety. Let's yes. not go there. Stag, anyway, yes. Stag DSP, our buddy. Name the nerd squad's day jobs. Wrong answers only, Matt. Oh, Kent is 100% an Instagrammer that just makes memes. Like his day job is one of them. He's a guy that just lives on social media, shoots out funny takes, and just lives his life to make meme videos and practical jokes. And Craig, he's the renaissance man. No truer words need to be spoken. Okay, so uh, wrong answers only. Uh, Matt is a shirt model. Um, 
and Kent is a food critic. So that's that's where we're going with that. <laughs> um, Maddie owns a series of CrossFit gyms in the North Carolina area. Craig is a notary public. You're making me out to be Jerry from Parks and Rec. <laughs> kind of. Yes. That's a reverse Renaissance man. <laughs> that, that turned out way better than I thought it would. <laughs> yep. uh, okay. We had a couple of, the, uh, of emails. Uh, this one didn't go to apnerdsquad at gmail.com, but you can send your questions in there. Uh, it does come from Tavi. I hope I'm saying that right. It's an email from Matt or to Matt. Hi, Matt. I live in Cumming, China, and I've been listening to the AP podcast for over a year now. That's so cool. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks to you, Kent and Craig, for providing the best Chiefs coverage. You are the only KC Chiefs source I go to from the other side of the world. You guys are the best football geeks, period. No, Tavi, you're the best, period. My question to you is, which head coaching job in 2020 is best fit for Eric Bieniemy? Which head coaching job should he stay away from? Thanks, and I hope to hear your thoughts on the next AP podcast. So cool. Yeah, Tavi, it's easy for us to find football content when we are. It doesn't matter which team. So it's easy for us to find Chief stuff, for you to search it out and find it over there. I think that makes you the best football geek around. So we appreciate you listening, checking in from over there. As far as best fit for Eric Bieniemy. I, and I know these guys probably don't agree with this, I like him for the New York Giants job, and I don't think he's going to get it, although I know they requested to interview him. I just think Bienemy's kind of this where he's at right now, the respect he demands from his players and his players like him, having a quarterback that showed some promise in Daniel Jones already entrenched, you get a stud running back for Eric Bienemy to work with. I think you have a starting offense there that's going to be pieces that he can play with. Gettleman is still there. Gettleman is a guy that invests a lot in the trenches on both sides of the ball. That seems like it should be right up Eric Bieniemy's alley. The kind of the way he would design a team, I think they would mesh well together. I just think they have a lot of good pieces. I think he could handle the New York media. I know it'd be his first time coaching gig there, head coach job. It'd be hard for him, but I think he could handle it, just his personality. And the job to stay away from, I'd stay away from Jacksonville. I don't know what's going on with Jacksonville, but you're half a year away from being moved to London or Mexico City or Australia or somewhere else, probably Norway, somewhere like that. So I would just stay (laughs) away from Jacksonville. You don't know where you're going to play football. You don't seem to get a lot of support. And I think there's more pressure for the Jacksonville Jaguars job than there should be based on what they've accomplished. Uh, For me, I think the one that's the best fit is Carolina. Uh, they have Christian McCaffrey. Their offense flows through Christian McCaffrey. Eric Bieniemy was going to want to use Christian McCaffrey. So I, w- I would expect that he would be able to come in there, kind of demand some accountability of those guys. They have some talent. That defense especially has some talent. If he got a good defensive coordinator in there, I could see that team, you know, kind of taking the next step, whether or not it's with Cam Newton or not. He may have to draft a quarterback, draft a wide receiver, kind of boost the offense the passing game a little bit more but knowing that Eric Bieniemy is going to be able to lean on that running game a little bit I think that that could prove some success and they're already cool with Andy Reid protégés there I mean they just came from Ron Rivera so they just seamlessly go over to Eric Bieniemy I think that the one that he should stay away from is Cleveland because everybody should stay away from Cleveland <laughs> I I changed my answer basically, to Cleveland yeah I 
if you're not going to go in and immediately win that division and make the playoffs, then you know you might be out of luck in Cleveland. They're going to expect that the investment that they have made in those players trying to acquire that talent on paper and transform them into a unit that plays well together when they really didn't, you know, concern themselves with the locker room fit, with the character, with the overall team building aspect of things. That's a tough ask for him to do, especially when you have to play the Baltimore Ravens twice a year and an ascending Pittsburgh Steelers defense. And if they get a quarter, you know, decent quarterback playing Pittsburgh, they're dangerous too. So I just think that Cleveland is a terrible job to be in right now. I would avoid it like the plague. I'm going to play devil's advocate on Cleveland. What? Okay. <clears throat> just work with me here. Uh, basically, of all the situations that we've just talked about, the best quarterback is Baker Mayfield. Um, I think this shift by the Haslam's again, I don't think that they can continue to do this. I think the leash will be long for the next person that comes in here, especially since it is kind of well known how big of a mess has been created at this point. I think... Eric Bieniemy's leash would be pretty long. I think he'd have a pretty quality quarterback to play with. I think he's got good weapons. I think they'll go in out and invest in in some offensive linemen. I don't know if I hate that fit because I do. I think he'll get a little bit more. I think he'll get a little bit longer leash than other people. The Giants look at the end of the day. He, can, uh, he can't say at the end of the day more than like five times before the, the media starts saying, you know, starts like criticizing for how he handles his press conference. Because his press Oof. conference, we listen to all of them. They sound the exact same every week. I don't think that's going to fly and in, in, in it's not going to give you much grace in a place like New York. And he gives he starts to run out of patience with people that try and drill down and get him to, to actually answer a question rather than the coach speak that he does. That's like New York's going to drill down on that. And I don't know if I love the idea of like, I don't know if I'd hitch my wagon to Daniel Jones either. I'd rather hitch my mm. wagon to, to Baker Mayfield. And try to figure out what's going on in Cleveland. You I would rather try to figure out what's going on in Cleveland than take your chance on any quarterback on the planet. I think trying. Famous I think last trying. Words of how many coaches now? I look. I understand. The quarterback situation is the best it's been for any of the Haslam's teams. They screwed up going with John Dorsey. And Freddie Kitchens. You tr- they tried to hire Baker's best friend. It didn't work. That team needs an attitude adjustment. If you've been to training camp, you can hear Eric Bieniemy from the other side of the building holding his group accountable. I think the Haslam's will give, would give Eric Bieniemy a leash, a longer leash. I really do. And if they don't, then... I think you might be able to get another opportunity down the road because I don't think it's going to be blamed on him. At this point, it will not be blamed on him. Okay. Um, we got one more. And this is from our friend Abby. Uh, if you listen to this summer. And so anytime Abby wants to ask a question, Abby is 100% allowed and we'll get her a question answered. 
Uh, so Ray uh, asked this question for Abby. Abby has a question for the podcast. Will we see the Patriots at Arrowhead in two weeks, Craig? I would just like to throw this out there. Four weeks ago, I maintained that the Chiefs were not going to be playing this weekend. They are not playing Uh-oh. this weekend. Last week, I said, along with Maddie, that Ryan Fitzpatrick was going to come in and beat the Patriots and the Chiefs were going to get a bye. You didn't believe that. I did believe it. No, you I didn't. I did believe it. Liar. The New England Patriots are losing this what? weekend to the Tennessee Titans. The Chiefs will not see the Patriots. They will see the winner of the Texans and the uh, Bills. And Tom Brady leaves New England. Maybe Bill Belichick does as well. We'll see. But I think that they are going to lose round one to Mike Vrabel's Titans. I think that the Chiefs will see the Patriots, and it is the matchup that I think I would like to see the most. I used to kind of laugh and scoff at Chiefs fans or any team's fans when they were like, oh, I want to see the Patriots. They're falling off now. Oh, we match up well against the Patriots. And it's just simply you don't ever want to see Tom Brady and Bill Belichick in the playoffs. That's just silly to wish that upon yourself, no matter how bad you think they're playing, no matter if you, how good you think you match up with them. This is the year. Like, the Patriots are done. That team is not winning the Super Bowl. If you can't beat the Patriots the way they are playing this year, then you need to make changes yourself. I would like to see the Patriots. I hope we see the Patriots. The Titans are a good team. The Titans are a team that is made for playoff football. I think the Patriots, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, can work out one game of magic before it all comes tumbling down in this talent lacking of talent offense and a defense that's pieced together by a couple stars in the second day i don't like for the patriots i like it oh i love it but i don't think i I, if i'm the patriots i just think about this i am playing on wild card weekend for the first time since when ever for bill belichick 10 years 15 years i don't know it's been a long time. I was not prepared to play this weekend. There's no one in the Patriots building that thought that they were losing to the Dolphins. They're... I didn't. Shut up. So did I. They are in such a difficult spot here now. They've dug themselves in a hole. Bill doesn't get time to prepare. Bill doesn't get to go through his... The routine is thrown off for this football team. This team has zero clue. No one on this roster knows what it's like to play on Wild Card Weekend in New England. I mean, like, a- as a Patriot. I mean, this is... It, things are off in this... I don't know how... It's going to be tough for them to bounce back. I think I'm picking the Titans. I think I'm picking the Titans. And I think the Chiefs are going to beat the Bills in the AFC Divisional round in two weeks. And play the, Bills. the Titans at home. For the AFC Championship. <laughs> hmm. Wait, you had the Titans beating the Ravens? Ryan Fitzpatrick That's... just beat the Patriots at home. Anything can happen. Let's get weird. The Fitz magic is carrying over. Stop. I don't know. I, I don't. don't I don't feel good about this take. <laughs> but you know what? I do feel good about not having to watch the Chiefs play next week. Oh, love <sighs> it. It's beautiful. All right, guys, that is going to do it for the Mailbag Edition. We will be back later this week with a preview 
of the wild card round, which the Chiefs will not be participating in. We'll catch you later. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.